The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept, because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him, because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live and you will live. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. The Gospel of the Lord. You figured it out by now. I'm not Father Peter. You can take a guess where he's gone. Absolutely. He's gone fishing. I would put money on it. You'll hear about it next Sunday in the homily. I'm not a fisherman. I can't stand the taste of it, the smell of it. To be honest, even the smell of it makes me want to hurl. But um, I, what I enjoy doing, I enjoy golfing. I wouldn't quite say it's my passion. Um, at the end of my day of golfing, I am not going to tell you how I did. I'm not, I might tell you about one hole, or maybe one drive, or one putt, but I don't have a whole lot to brag about when it comes to golf. I just enjoy getting out. And I think what's neat about golf is that this is true about if there's anything in our life that we value, we always want to do better. We always want to do better. And so I think also in the spiritual life, if you value it, I hope you never reach a point or a place where you say, I'm good. Because there's always more that's before us. But what is my passion? My passion is what I do here in the seminary. Uh, as the novice master, I, I, I was asked a couple weeks ago at the uh, Oblate uh, Gala, our dinner auction fundraiser, to give a talk. Anybody who is at the OMV dinner? A couple? Okay, great. So you're going to get a few of those highlights again. But the rest of you, it's all new and I'm not recycling a homily. Let me just say that right now. Because what I'm about to say, I believe, profoundly relates to the gospel, but it also is something that I am truly passionate about, and I see it as really the big meaning for our life. So I think it has something to offer you. What it offers our seminarians, I think it sees their life and what they're doing here in the seminary and how they might make a gift of themselves. But what I'm about to share with you, that I share with them, applies to all of us. And so I'm going to give you uh, three dynamics. There's going to be a test, so I want you to pay attention and listen. Number one is self-knowledge. Number two is self-acceptance. And number three is self-gift. 
Do you remember them all? Number one was? Number two? Self-acceptance. Number three? And you're going to see how they interconnect with one another. What is self-knowledge? Self-knowledge is knowing yourself. Who you are, your personality, your family history. To know what are, the, what are your buttons. Have you ever get angry in here? Okay, yeah, all right. They're like, <laughs> I don't know what talking about, Father. Anger. So this is how you put underneath the category underneath self-knowledge. Anger could be a gift. G-I-F-T. Anger is a secondary emotion. Something has happened beforehand, and now you're reacting. So, is it guilt? You've been made to feel inferior? There's something that has made you afraid. Fear. Or there could be trauma. It could be some major trauma or small traumas in our life. And something touches that little woundedness in us and we react in anger. So next time you find yourself really getting angry, ask yourself, why am I getting angry? What's underneath it? That all comes underneath self-knowledge. And I think we need to know ourselves. Uh, uh, not Saint. <laughs> Socrates you know, said it well. He says, know thyself. Human knowledge, human understanding, awareness what's happening inside of me. Number two is... There you go. I almost caught you sleeping. Self-acceptance. This is, I think, where the magic happens. uh, And it's really, really important. Self-acceptance or acceptance of self is where do we find our identity? More often than not, I think we find our identity in our achievements or our failures. And, you know, for those of you who are in school, get ready to graduate, get a job, you know, titles are really important. But those titles do not define who you are. And sometimes, you know, we can chase that. And I think we can grow up thinking that, you know, if I'm good, therefore I'm loved, therefore I'm approved. And then we can... We can project that onto God and what we're trying to do in our spiritual life. Just really trying to be good so that God will love me. But here's the scandalous truth. God does not approve of you. God does not approve of you. If it was possible for God to approve of you, it would be possible for Him to disapprove of you. And He is a lover not an approver. And so the other extreme would be our brokenness, our sinfulness. And sometimes we can let our moral failures be the thing that define us. The truth is that you are God's beloved son, you are God's beloved daughter, and there's nothing you can do about it. He loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's your identity. That's what roots us in the Christian life and understanding where am I going in my life? What's going on? If we root ourselves in His love for us and we receive it, our identity is received, not achieved, Then we can move on to number three, which is what? Self-gift. Self-gift, that's our vocation. That's ministry. That's now that I've received myself as a gift, I now can give myself to another in marriage, in religious life, as a priest, sister, or brother. In some kind of outreach, I've got my identity in Jesus. So even if... The, the mission might fail. Let's say you tried to do something you know, for the homeless and it just didn't work. Your identity should not fall apart because it's rooted in Jesus. God loves you and 
There's nothing you can do about it. Really? Does Father Peter work you this hard? Maybe he doesn't. All right, so the next thing I'm just going to put underneath, um, I'm going to go back to self-acceptance. Uh, because I have all these, these pearls that I save up for my novices, and I don't get out much, so I'm going to give them all to you. But I think this is huge. In the area of self-acceptance, we all are going to struggle and be wounded in different ways. And they can handicap us emotionally or spiritually to make a gift of ourselves to another, to make a gift of ourselves back to God. And um, there's seven of them. I'm only going to really highlight one. But just because I want you to receive all these pearls, I'm going to give them to you. You ready for them? Okay, I remember them as CPR has failed. Okay? So, the C is confusion. The P is powerlessness. The R is rejection. The H is hopelessness. The A is abandonment. The S, shame. And then the F for has failed anyways, is fear. And these are wounds that usually happen earlier in our life. And then they repeat throughout the rest of our life. And we may not be even aware of that very often. Sometimes we come to confession and we go, why am I confessing these same things over and over again? As it could be that in one of these seven areas, we're deeply wounded. And we're reaching out, crying out, reacting out of that And really to experience healing, it's to go to the root of the wound and say, where did I experience this? And how has it shaped my identity? Self-acceptance. Acceptance that God loves me. But I can struggle to receive that. I can struggle to believe that. So So we have these wounds and there are lies we begin to believe. Sometimes an experience of being really confused. It says, I just can't make sense out of life. You can go through life going, I just don't understand what's going on. With uh, powerlessness, I'm too weak, I'm too small. I can't do anything. And we accept that lie. And we let it define who we are. Rejection. I'm not loved. I'm not wanted. I'm not desired. We can have an experience of being rejected and then believe that lie. And it carries us. It can't stay with us throughout our life. And then it begins to infect and affect our other relationships. Where am I at? CPR. H, right? Which is hopelessness. Hopelessness is things are never going to change. This is the way it's always going to be. I want to die. To despair. Abandonment. I'm all alone. No one cares or understands me. Shame. I'm damaged goods. I'm perverted. I'm dirty. I'm bad. Or because something has happened to me, I'm unlovable. And then fear. I'm afraid to trust. Because if I do, I'm going to get hurt or I'm going to die. That can be so paralyzing to us in our everyday life, but also profoundly in our spiritual life. Today in the Gospel, two things that Jesus says I just hope you take home with you today. The first is, and I think it really touches on abandonment, is that Jesus says, I am with you always. I will never leave you orphaned. This is the truth of Jesus Christ. And what He said to disciples, He says to all of us, I am with you always. But there are times in our life that we have felt that maybe we've been abandoned by others and that we've been abandoned by God. 
Have you been abandoned by others? That could have happened, yes. Has God ever abandoned you? The answer is a resounding no. He says, I am with you always. And I think we need to hear that truth proclaimed loudly into our hearts and into our souls and to believe it, or at least desire to believe it, so that we can... Whoa. Are you serious? This whole time you haven't heard me? Oh, I have to start all over. So... Wow, thank you, Jesus, for that humility. It's great. Um, good thing I'm down here with you. Uh, so I have no idea where I was going when the microphone always... Where, where, where was I? Anyone was listening? What's that? I am with you always. Thank you. So Jesus says, I am with you always. For us to believe that truth, I am with you always. Anyone here have uh, children? Or know someone who has young children right now? Right now? Okay. Then they probably have a spy camera? Right? You know, you watch your little children when they're sleeping or they're crying or they're making no noise and you say there's something wrong and you get on the phone and you're checking and the monitor is saying, are they okay? My little brother is just, uh, just told me today, actually, he's, he's going to have twins. He's getting two more. But, uh, but he's saying, I, I watch my, my brother watch his baby on the phone. But he's not watching the phone 24-7. doesn't mean he doesn't care about his daughter. doesn't mean that you know, he's abandoning her. And so it also is for you when you're watching. You're not with them 24-7. But the truth is, God is watching you 24-7. God has, 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 a, has a camera on you. And it's called His heart. And for us to believe that His loving gaze is on us always, even in those dark moments, in those despairing moments, in those shameful moments, in those moments we've experienced abandonment or fear, it's to pray, Jesus, that I may let Your love and light shine into me. And the second thing to take away from the Gospel today is that it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't just look down from above and watch us. He's with us. I am with you always. I am within you. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit that you know, we're, well, we're going to celebrate on Pentecost, but you already have it right now. God dwells within you. Pray for the grace as we prepare our hearts to come and receive Jesus in the Eucharist. I mean, we already have a presence of God within us. Are we aware of that? But then to say, Jesus, as I receive you in the Eucharist, let your light shine in the dark areas, wounded areas of my heart and my soul, that I can grow in acceptance that you love me and there's nothing I can do about it. Amen?